Uh, so when I was uh, 20 years old, some of my buddies and I left college for a semester, and we moved to California, Lake Tahoe, and we were going to work with a local church there. And so right away when we got there, the people in the congregation would invite us over for dinner, like straight away, all the time, several times a week, and this was a huge blessing. Everybody knew that five dudes in their early 20s were not eating good meals, um, so that was great. And so uh, this one night, we got invited to a meal with, it was a kind of a younger couple, no kids. They invite us over. Uh, we didn't know them super well, but I was really thankful that we were going to go eat dinner with somebody and that we didn't have to cook this particular night because it had been a blizzard, and I spent like three hours shoveling snow at work. So I was beat and starving, super excited. So we get over uh, to their house, and the husband comes out of the kitchen with this gigantic bowl of a strange substance that I had never seen before. Looked like the cross between chickpeas and rice. Now I know it's called quinoa. Some of you have experienced quinoa. Um, so he brings this out, sets it down, has a seat, and we're all talking, great conversation, whatever. Um, and it's about 30 minutes goes by. I'm kind of waiting on something else to come out. Maybe some chicken, if we're really lucky, some steak. Hadn't had steak in a minute. Um, and nothing's, nothing's happening. And uh, so I was like, man, maybe they didn't plan this very well. Maybe, you know, maybe they didn't defrost the chicken. That's what, like, what's going to my head. Uh, another 30 minutes goes by. We still ha don't have a main course. And then it hits me, this is dinner. The quinoa, this is it. This is it. Um, but it, it, well, it didn't taste very good. And so we're trying to be polite and eat, but none of us are really digging this meal. Um, and dinner wraps up after a while. We say thank you very much, and we leave. And as soon as the car doors slam, we're all like, bro, I'm so hungry. Like, instant. We're all just like... Um, and we had no money, but we all agreed. First drive-in we see, we are loading up. And we were just so hungry. Uh, apparently, this nice couple that invited us over were these things called vegans, and they actually didn't ever eat meat. So that was a new term for me, along with quinoa. Um, and so we were so hungry, we, uh, we crested this hill, and there on the horizon, a beacon of hope, the golden arches of McDonald's. And um, I, as we pulled in, I would have cut off my right arm for a Big Mac. I mean, it was like... But have you ever been that hungry where your blood sugar crashes and your hands start to shake? You get hangry and you get a little snappy at everybody. Um, maybe I'm torturing you right now. I don't know. Uh, but I didn't come today <laughs> just to talk about vegans and being hungry. Um, I also came to talk about a story in Genesis 25 about Jacob and Esau. And in Genesis 25, uh, we learn about how some hunger actually got uh, a guy into a lot of trouble. Um, see, I thought I was hungry after the quinoa, but this story takes it to another level. Um, so if we can, before I get into the story, if you guys can remember the past few weeks with Kevin teaching. Uh, a few weeks ago, if you look at the very first symbol on the far right, um, that symbol represents creation. And so that's when God created the world, and it was good, and it was right, everything was beautiful, and there was harmony. Um, and then it didn't take very long, but humans rebelled from that beautiful created order. And with that came sin and pain and brokenness. 
Um, but God was so good, moving on to the third symbol with a forward arrow there, that's when God made a covenant, a promise to his people, saying, I'm not going to leave you in this mess. I'm actually going to, through a particular family, bless the whole world and call this all back to myself to make it right again. Um, he made that, the promise, the family, um, dad's name was Abram. God eventually changed his name to Abraham. But he made a covenant with this guy saying, you are going to be a great nation. You're going to be a light to the world. I'm going to bless you so that you can bless the world. So Abraham, uh, after his very old age, um, had a son, his wife, and his son's name was Isaac. So it's Abraham and then Isaac. And uh, that's my son's middle name, also my middle name. And um, so Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, they struggled with infertility for 20 years after they got married. And they begged God for a child, and she became pregnant with twins. So that's what we're going to pick up in Genesis 25 right now uh, in verses, verses 27 through the end of 25, verse 34. So verses, uh, Genesis 25, 27. It says, The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country. That's such a cool title. While Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents, Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Shout out to mama's boys. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. Mm. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. This is why he was also called Edom. Edom means red. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Esau says, look, I'm about to die. What good is a birthright if I'm dead? So Jacob says, swear it to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Now, what exactly is a birthright? That's not something that we really do anymore. Um, so in this culture, a birthright uh, had a few different elements to it. Um, so the, uh, the birthright was something that was always given to the firstborn son of every family. It was passed from the father when he died to the firstborn son. Um, and so there was a spiritual blessing from the father that was put on his firstborn son and that blessing was asking God to bless the son, but also setting that son as the spiritual authority over the remaining family. And that include uh, his widowed mother, his uh, unmarried sisters, his other younger brothers. Um, so it was a big deal. He was then to be the patriarch of the family. Uh, but there was also a very practical role of provider and protector of all of those people as well. And so because he was set out to be provider protector, he also got a double portion compared to his other brothers of the family estate. So this would have been a lot of money. It would have been twice as much as anybody else got. But even more significant than all of those things, although those are a big deal, um, in this particular family, there was the covenant that had been made to Abraham. That's grandpa, right? And so grandpa's blessing of being a 
of, of um, his covenant of that he will be a blessing and a light to the world is going to come through Isaac and then to his sons. Um, and so Jacob is saying, hey, I want all of that stuff, all of those amazing things for a bowl of stew. And <laughs> this contract that they made, they made an oral oath. That's binding. Uh, so the birthright now is transferred over to Jacob, the little brother. Um, now, Jacob's name is actually very interesting. It means supplanter or deceiver. It also means heel, because when he was born, he was gripping his twin brother's heel. Um, and at Elephant in the Room, I realize I share a name with this guy. Uh, if I deceive you today, it's purely an accident. So you don't have to be too worried about it. Um, but God sees this dude take advantage of his brother. And then it happens again later in the story. Uh, Isaac, dad, is on his deathbed. He's blind at this point. And Jacob, just to lock in that spiritual blessing, dresses up like his brother with his mom's help, makes himself smell like his brother. He puts animal hair on his arms, and he goes and he tricks his dad. And his dad blesses him as the oldest son, even though he wasn't. This guy, I mean, I just, I, my reaction was like, what, what a snake. What a dirtbag. It's his own brother. Here's a little spoiler. Jacob gets renamed Israel later in the story, just a few chapters later in Genesis. And God gives Israel 12 sons, and those 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. And from there, there's still a massive nation of people that are direct descendants of him. Um, and so I see this as some really good news because God chooses the guilty to move his kingdom forward um, even though they're unfaithful. See, despite our past choices, despite our failures, we're still invited to be a part of the kingdom and be active as blessings moving it forward. Uh, we just sang the song, the line in the song tonight, failure won't define me, that's what my father does. I'm like, dang, that is such good. Um, we don't have to lie and cheat our way into blessing. See, because Jesus actually already earned our blessing uh, through his perfect life that he lived, his death, and then his resurrection. Um, and the, the New Testament is peppered with language of inheritance. It's all over. And of that inheritance, it talks about how the Holy Spirit is our deposit now of the full inheritance later. He's that down payment. He's the deposit. He locks it in, the earnest money on the, on the purchase. Um, but as offensive as it was for Jacob to offer stew in exchange for that birthright, at least in that offer, he acknowledged the value of it, right? He said, Esau, you have something wildly valuable, and I want it. I'll give you something for it. As unfair as that swap was. Uh, but Esau, when Esau accepted that trade, he actually deemed his birthright as nearly worthless. Um, I was trying to, like, wrap my head around this. And um, I was thinking it'd be like Coral and I buying a house, 30-year mortgage, and we work super hard for 30 years. We make every payment on time, and we get to the end of it, we have a paid-off house. And then we give it to Brooks and Boyd, right? Here's your gift. You get a paid-off house. You don't have to pay rent. You don't have to pay mortgage. You just get to live here. And then the next day, Brooks goes out, and he's like, hey, man. I got rid of that house, and I got a bag of quinoa for it. I'd be like, 
That was 30 years that I spent making that for you. But this is even more than a, a paid-off mortgage. There is a spiritual component here. There's generations coming out of this. So this is horribly offensive what Esau did in giving up his birthright. See, um, Esau devalued the incredible blessing that was coming his way. Uh, but just like he did that, we also sometimes Esau the design that God has for us as well. So I'll be really clear. When we, we have this inheritance coming from Jesus, we cannot trade that away. We can't get rid of it. That is set in stone, locked in place. That's, er, that's yours. No trade can get rid of that. Um, but we do trade the designed and ordained rule that God has for us in his creation. Um, see, we actually have a role in this story, and we trade that in for other things. So I thought of three examples that um, I see in our culture. The first one is that we trade Sabbath for productivity. And this, uh, this sermon's not sponsored by Home Depot. I'm going to get to that in a second. Um, but I want to say productivity is actually my all-time favorite idol. If I was going to pick one to worship 24-7, this is the one I'm going to go to. This is my flinch, right? Not say, and and it's a, there's been good things that have come out of that. I hate to say it, but I have been rewarded for this in some ways. But at the same time, it's also, at one time, it almost killed my marriage. Um, it's taken me away from loving my kids well. It's kept me away from loving, neighbor, loving neighbors well. Um, it's just those, you know, it's like 5 p.m. rolls around. It's like, oh, I could just send one more email, right? Or I, I sit down to, to relax, take some Sabbath, and then I'm like, oh, but you know what? There's some weeds in the front yard that would just, if those were gone, I think then I could... Nope. Um, funny, not so funny story. One time this idol reared its ugly head in our household when Coral was actually in labor with Boyd, our younger son. Um, my wife had super long labors, like over 20-something hours or 30 hours. I can't even remember. It was a blur. Um, so she's in labor. We're at our house. I really want to go to the hospital where the doctors are. She's like, not yet. I'm comfortable here. And I'm like, no, really. Let's go. And she's like, no, really, we're not going. And I'm like, okay. But that, that anxiousness, uh, what, what I could have done is, is turn to Jesus in that moment, right, and lay that down and say, all right, God, you know the perfect timing when my son is going to enter this world, and I'm going to lay this down, and this is out of my control, and going to be a, 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 a die-to-yourself husband here. But no, my um, productivity kicked into gear. And I actually went in our basement, because it was March in Chicago, and I built a bookshelf with wood and anxiety. <clears throat> I built this thing. And then I painted it, and I hung it on the wall, and it's probably still there. I really got that sucker down on the... All right. So, but it was like this, this idol reared its head rather than... And that could have been like a really cool moment. Instead, I was like, no, I'm going to produce something. Um, the reason there's a Home Depot ad on the screen right now is because uh, I'm not alone in running to productivity as an idol. Uh, there are billions of dollars spent every year trying to convince us to be more productive. Um, and so this is a ad. I just went to Home Depot's website, um, and it's kind of hard to read, but it says, how doers get more done, right? And I'm like, man, I'm a doer. I want to get more done. No one ever wants to get less done, right? Um, and there's also a thing then there about how we can go into debt so that we can produce even more. Isn't that great? So, so nice of them. 
Um, another way that we trade God's design that's made for us for cheap substitutes, we sacrifice serving others so we can have more experiences. Um, here's some examples. Maybe I can't share an MC with my, or I can't share a meal with my MC um, tonight because I spent all of my energy at work today trying to fill up my bank account. That got the best of me. Uh, maybe I can't be on act. I can't be active in mission in this season because I have too many projects running. Maybe I can't call Zoom, write somebody to encourage them because my Netflix queue is backed up. <gasps> Can't love my neighbors because I'm busy every weekend on trips and with lots of hobbies. I'm sure you guys could think of more examples. But I put up, a, this one's from VRBO, this advertisement. I just going to read it. Uh, beach house, condo, cabin, find the perfect vacation rental. That's harmless enough, but if you think about it, there's undertones there of like, hey, where you're at right now is just not really cutting it. Wouldn't it be better to be somewhere else? Oh, and then down at the bottom, there's a financing button where they, you could actually pay for it with debt. It's so nice of them. Another way that we trade the design God made for us for cheap substitutes, we sacrifice generosity for stuff. All right, this one's going to hit a little close to home, guys. We just got our W-2s in the mail for our taxes. We also just got our Missio giving statements. <laughs> How did that look next to each other? Ooh. Uh, this is actually a, I took this picture because uh, I was mad about it, and then I didn't buy anything because I was mad about it, but this is in a five below store, which, man, they have really good deals in there. Uh, but I was like, that's a lie. That's not even true. Want does not equal need. Advertising's not bad. I just want to clear that up. Advertising's not bad. Home Depot is not bad. I love Home Depot. Um, Five Below, great deals. VRBO could be a great tool for Sabbath and experiencing God's presence and his creation. Uh, but the reason I put these advertisements up is so that we can be more aware of how we are preached to constantly to swap God's good design for us and those opportunities to be a blessing. We can swap that for small idols, just short little hits of pleasure. So earlier I said uh, some good news about Jesus. Um, J Jesus choosing us to carry out his plans despite our mistakes and our sin. Uh, but here's a little bit more good news. Jesus actually never gave up his birthright like Esau did. Uh, but he actually was tempted to explicitly. Uh, in Matthew 4 in the New Testament, um, Jesus went out into the desert for 40 days and fasted. I thought I was hungry after shoveling snow. Um, I think Jesus was probably, probably had the rumblies a little worse. Um, and then instead of Jacob trying to deceive him, he had the deceiver of all deceivers there, uh, the enemy, tempting him with food and fame. And the only condition that Jesus had to give in to in order to eat was uh, give up his birthright as the son of God, and handed over to Satan to be ruler of the world. But Jacob, or I'm sorry, Jesus did what Esau could not, and he resisted that temptation. Um, he knew that the enemy actually promised him something that would not actually deliver. Um, and our idols of productivity and stuff and experiences will always fail to satisfy our hearts, despite what the commercials say. 
the good news is we get to share in Jesus' inheritance. And that deposit that I mentioned earlier, the Holy Spirit, we get that deposit, and that deposit empowers us today to resist those idols and be faithful. Because of Jesus, we get to come to the table and be reminded of our inheritance that was bought through the body and blood of Jesus. Um, so I talked about food enough. Now we actually get to have a very tiny feast. Um, so you guys are welcome to the table tonight. And when you're at the table, there's a sheet next to it. Grab that uh, and come back to your seats. Um, and take the elements on your own. And I'll call us back up here in a few minutes. Um, and then after the kids have taken the elements, uh, Kevin's going to have a little chat with them in the back corner over there.